Look, I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I'm going to kill myself. I just thought that someone should know. I don't really know how this works. I'm probably going to jump off uh, an overpass in front of a semi. So, or a U-Haul, maybe just on a bus. I'm not gonna be a dick and make people watch, but it has to be big. It's gotta be so big that it just, done, kills me, lights out. Cause if it just maims me and I'm like, well then how's that good for anyone? Then I gotta find a nurse to smother me. How am I gonna get across smothering if I'm, we don't need to get caught up in the minutia. I just thought that an adult, so you should know. Wow, this is, uh... A lot to take in, Nadine. I, I wish I knew what to say. Well, I was actually just drafting my own suicide note just now. Dear everybody, as some of you know, I have 32 fleeting minutes of happiness per school day during lunch, which has been eaten up again and again by the same especially badly dressed student. And I finally thought, you know what? I would rather have the dark, empty nothingness. I really would. It sounds relaxing. Have a nice life without me, fuckers. You are so gonna get fired when I actually do it. Well, not for sure, but I can dream. So that was a pretty uh, awesome way to <laughs> start this podcast and to start the movie, actually. So what did you think about that? It was a great like uh, starting point for the movie because it kind of sets the entire tone of what this film's going to be like. You have this teenage girl just having melting down through the entire thing. And, you know, this teacher <laughs> is just having none of it. He Woody Allison is amazing in this movie. He is a scene stealer quite often for his negative, sarcastic, but endearing like way he has about talking to her. It's hilarious. I was shocked when I first saw this too, because I'm like, oh my god, she's serious, and he's not taking this seriously. <laughs> well, I think at this point, you know, he knows her personality. You know, oh, he knows yeah. what she's like, and you know, normally you would think that. Uh, you know, someone comes and says, I'm going to kill myself. Like, that's going to be taken very seriously. But I think he probably knows her well enough that, that even though she may have never said anything like this before, it's probably something that he knows is not true. You know? He knows she's a drama queen to the extreme. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, this scene is really great. You're right. It does set the tone for the movie. And I really enjoyed this. I think when I was done with this scene, I was laughing. Uh, I mean, I thought oh, it was yeah. hysterical. Uh, just like when he's like, oh, wait, you know, I just drafted my own suicide letter. <laughs> um, let me uh, let me count how awful my day is. I have 32 minutes of uh, time where I don't have to deal with this shit, basically. That's <laughs> what it comes down to. Um, it's brilliant. It's really, it's really great. So, uh, yeah. Um, so let's let's get into a synopsis of what this movie is about because, um, you know, there's a story to it, right? But, you know, the overarching plot is pretty, pretty simple. So, you know, you have Nadine is best friends with Krista and she's been her friend for, you know, what, like the last 10 years or so. And, um, she has this party 
You know, they have this party because mom goes out of town to hook up with some guy she met on Match.com. Dentist. And dentist. And uh, Nadine gets drunk, ends up passing out in the bathroom. Krista uh, ends up sleeping with Nadine's brother. <laughs> oh, which... yeah. This is... I could just see her brain melting inside of her skull at the sight of this. Correct. So as you get uh, into this movie, you notice that Darian, who is her older brother, they do not have what you would say a close relationship by any stretch. <laughs> uh, he's your typical alpha male, and she's definitely a beta female that just there's no level ground or able or compatibility between them. They're just two different worlds, the two of them. Right, they're two different worlds, but also I don't think there's any attempt by her to bridge over, you know, that gap between them, you know? No, she doesn't put in any effort to understand his side whatsoever. I think he, I think he, he would be willing. I don't think he's opposed to it. Um, I get that sense in this movie that he wasn't opposed to it, but, uh, yeah. So there's, there's nothing on her end. She just doesn't want, she wants to be misunderstood, basically. Yeah. But we'll get to that Let herself be dramatic. Yeah. So anyway, Krista ends up sleeping with Darian, and when she finds out, she just blows a gasket. And uh, initially, she just blames Darian, and then Krista and Darian, which initially it seems like like this is a one-time thing, and they kind of intimate that in the hallways at school when they meet up again uh, that day. Yeah. But then it turns out that it's more than that. It's not just a one-time fling, like, oh, things got crazy, and we got drunk and had sex, and now that's it. No, this actually appears like there's actual substance to this relationship. And yes. that's when things get real bad, because, you know, Nadine just blows up again, and she says, hey, it's either him or me. She throws a shoe in public. There's <laughs> a shoe, I love that. She just grabs it <laughs> off her foot and just chucks it. Against the wall. Oh, it was great. It was such a teenager thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she makes her choose. And of course, you know, she chooses, she chooses Darian, you know, and it's kind of surprising. But at the same time, I always got the sense in this movie, at least from the early scenes, that Krista has always been one that has had to sacrifice a little bit for Nadine. You know, yeah. um, she's and always the Nadine... one that's comforting her and making her feel better and trying to pump up her self-esteem a little bit and, and taking care of her. And yeah. right. And so like most of the attention is like 80% to Nadine, 20% to Krista, like that. kind Exactly. Of thing. She's Nadine is very self-absorbed and uh, self-deprecating and wanting the pity and the eyes on her and the attention, despite wanting to be an anti-socialite. Right, right. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, so uh, after this kind of goes, this happens, she kind of melts down, and that's when she ends up meeting Erwin in class. He obviously likes her. And the rest of the movie kind of plays out in a series of events where she kind of facilitates between this kind of brooding bad boy who, like, got out of juvie recently and who she's purely just sexual attraction with that choice right and Irwin who she initially writes off as kind of like this adorable puppy dog 
you know. Um, but ultimately, I think she finds real. Actually, I think she finds real substance in this relationship as time goes along, which I think is a really great thing in this script where um, she gets this person, Irwin, wrong. You know, she initially sees him as just like some, oh, he's adorable. You know, I just want to like carry him around or something as opposed to being a real person. And eventually, I think what she finds in Irwin is someone who actually listens to her and gives her that attention that she needs, like that acceptance that she's so desperately looking for. <laughs> and that understands her as well and is able to, you know, know when she needs somebody and know when she's just being dramatic and not take any of that. Right, right. And so there's like these series of events that happen along the way. Um, you know, obviously she and her mother don't exactly see eye to eye either. They don't get along very well. And we see that at the beginning of the movie. But then, you know, so these events play out <clears throat> throughout the movie. And when she gets to the end of the movie, you see actual growth, I think. And she comes to see Erwin, I think, not... I mean, there's obviously a romance between them, and we see that. But it's mm -hmm. more than that. It's some um, acceptance, you know, validation um, between Erwin and what we see at the very end, which is his friends. Because one of the things I really enjoyed about this is what, what Nadine really is, is kind of a nerd. Yeah, um, big time. You know, she is. And the problem is that she she's never, I think, realized it fully or found exactly. a group of people that accept her for who she is. And I think the biggest struggle that I think we all face when we're a teenager, um, but certainly we see it here in this movie, is that Nadine is struggling to be comfortable in her own skin, you know, to accept who she is, you know, flaws and, and all, good things and bad things, and be okay with that. And a lot of times that comes with finding a group of friends who say, I like you how you are. You're perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you, you know. Um, and I think that's what she finds here. And ultimately, I think that's the journey she takes from the beginning of the movie all the way to the end is when she gets to the end, she finds some level of acceptance, both externally and within herself. So. Yeah, and it's able to reach out and actually have a real connection, you know, not just with Erwin, but with his friends as well. And there's that acceptance and you know, being able to have people that understand you and are like you. It's, it's one of the biggest things you look for as a teenager. Yeah, it's true. Now, let's, um, well, one thing I forgot to mention in the plot here, uh, but it's a big moment, is that her father died. Yeah, when she was like really... six or no, a little no, no, older. No, no, she was, she was like 13. You're right, she was 13. Yeah, she yeah. was 13. So her father was very close, or she was very close with her father, and when he died, I mean, it basically sucked, <laughs> as I'm sure it would have. And... um but one of the really great things about the script is that they didn't take Nadine as like some perfect angel prior to the accident. And then post-accident, she's like this sudden rebellious, um, mouthy teen or something, you know, with attitude. You know, like she was pretty much like that before the accident. And she's pretty much like that after the accident, just maybe a little darker. 
It's you just know? that this is how she loses the person that she does have a connection to that is like her and understands her. Like her mother, as she says, is a lot like her brother. And her father was understood her and was able to connect with her. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, this big is a cataclysmic moment for her. And I'm glad we got to see it on screen. It just wasn't, you know, a voiceover that said, oh, hey, my dad died. And so things got worse. <laughs> you know, we actually saw it play out and it being a, a very traumatic moment uh, for her. But I think a lot of what this movie is about beyond her growth is she's living within within the shadow of her brother Darian so like you said earlier Darian is this um, alpha male but he's not what I like about him in, in the script treats everybody fairly this is a very non-judgmental script by the writer okay yeah, they give him an actual personality right and not just like your typical jock that you know only cares about football and all that kind of stuff, but he's somebody who actually has feelings and thoughts of his own. Right. I mean, he's not like, okay, dude, I'm going to get wasted this weekend. All I want to do is <laughs> chug beer and get laid. You know, like that's... That yeah, your typical, typical douchey jock. Right. And they didn't do that, and I'm thankful for it because I think that's, that's way oversimplistic and often rarely the case, you know? Exactly. Um. So this movie was written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig. And uh, being a first-time director, this is actually pretty impressive stuff, to be honest. It's um, it's well-directed. If nobody had said that it, it was our first time directing, I never would have thought that's the, you know, the, the case. Um, and it's also, like I said, written by her. And I felt in this script like there was a very autobiographical element. I felt oh, like yes. she got so many things right. And so like the little details and nuances that happen within scenes that I feel like that only comes if you've actually experienced some of this stuff. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's very, you, you write what you know and what you know is from life. So I could absolutely see this. It's so genuine that I can't see it not being from somebody's actual life, you know? <laughs> Although I do hope that one text message is not something real. <laughs> that's horrible boy i'll tell you what we'll get to that text message here later um so it had a budget of nine million and a gross of 14 million so obviously it was a low budget movie it didn't make a ton of mo money although it appears like at least it made its money back mm -hmm. uh and yeah so let's get into who stars in this movie so we have Haley steinfeld playing nadine uh, Haley Lou Richardson playing Krista, Blake Jenner playing Darian, and Woody Harrelson playing Mrs. or Mr. Bruner. So I mean, there are other people. Kara Sedgwick uh, plays the mother as well, um, a veteran actress, been around for for decades now, and uh, always does really good work. Um, yeah. So with this movie, uh, there's a very authentic feel how they portray teenagers and to me this sits right up there next to the perks of being a wallflower you know in yeah, terms yeah. of that feeling like um the, the person writing the script knows how teenagers talk and how they act yeah it's very like r-rated john hughes like more modern and realistic right yeah very much um, this is a rated R movie, by the way, so if, for instance, you're listening to this and you have a certain aversion to R-rated movies for some reason, which is fine, uh, this <laughs> may not be the movie that uh, you want to check out, but 
There's quite I a bit of language in this. <laughs> right. But but if you're someone who appreciates authenticity or as close to authenticity as you can get, um, then you'll enjoy this because and, and I'm one I like that. I, don't give me a sugar coated, watered down version of what it is to be a teenager or any movie for that matter. Like if it's gonna be rated R, make it rated R. If that means you're gonna get the most authentic portrayal uh, of the story you're trying to tell. And it, like Logan a few weeks ago, we talked about that, um, where we felt like an R-rated Logan or Wolverine movie was what was necessary given the script. Had they toned it down with a PG-13, that wouldn't have worked. It, would have it felt, wouldn't have had the same impact. Right. And it would have felt um, very off in terms of what they're trying to portray. So with this movie, it's the same thing. Like this script, it calls for an R rating because teenagers talk this way. You know. Yes, they, they do. They, um, they, they'll talk about sex even if they've never had it, and they'll do it in a very kind of, I don't know. I mean, just a very crass way in which you know, like, okay, I've never had sex, but I'm going to sit and describe all these things that I want this guy across the, the lawn to do to me. You know, if if I had the guts, I'd walk up to him and say hello, why don't you, you know, stick your penis in me, you know? Like, <laughs> okay, sure. You know? Yeah, it's so blunt. <laughs> yeah, it's so blunt, but... Um, yeah. I don't remember being that blunt as a teenager. No. I was much more fonder of the innuendos. <laughs> right, right. But, um, so let's get into Nadine a little more, and let's talk about what makes her such an interesting and finely drawn character for a movie like this. Um, first of all, I think Hailey Steinfeld's performance is amazing. Uh, it's stellar. Me, she really knocked it out of the park. Very much so. She was very honest and authentic and uh, genuinely awkward. Um, so it was really portrayed very well. Uh, I have zero like negative comments about her acting because it was spot on. Right. I mean, all the scenes that she's in, I, I don't... I don't know how to, to describe, I guess you never feel for a second like she's not this character. Yeah, you know, like exactly. She in, truly embodies it. Right. She does. She truly embro embodies this person who is dealing with a lot of, you know, negativity. You know, her impression of herself is not a good one. She sees herself in an, um, a very negative light. Like, she's not worth it, not worthy. Um, there's this scene early on. It's when she's drunk and she's laying on the toilet and Chris is behind her and she's, you know, <laughs> helping her out and everything. And she's just like, I'm, I'm so awful and I'm just, <laughs> I'm not worth it. I'm pathetic. I, why do you hang out with me? I mean, this is, this is the general view of herself that she lives with on a daily basis. Yeah, it's not bright whatsoever. It's very bleak and negative and self-deprecating. And it's not just uh, an act for her for attention like, all the time. Sometimes it is. But it's truly how she feels about herself. And on the inside, like this is what she thinks she deserves. Is <laughs> just She doesn't deserve to have any friends. She isn't worth it. She's too awkward and you know, very just teenagery like this is something every teenager goes through but usually it's just a phase where with her you know with everything she's gone through it's stuck with her yeah it's true um 
yeah, it, she, her view is, is bleak, and it started actually from an early age, okay, because, like I said, her view of herself didn't begin when her father died. And one of the great things is we, we see that from a very early age, her general view of Darian and her view of herself was already where it's at. So it's seven years old, you know, they go, they drop off both kids. Darian's <laughs> just like totally excited for school and, and upbeat and optimistic. And he's like out of the car, jumping over, flying to his friends, showing them some video game he has in his hand. And like in the voiceover, she's like, you know, life is in life. There are two people. There are the, the people who are positive and who, you know, just have everything in life and who kind of just skate across everything easily. And then there are the people that don't. And those are the people that wish those people would all die in a fiery crash, you know? <laughs> so, and that's I like it, that outlook. <laughs> right. And you know, they, she doesn't want to get out of, out of the car cause she has no friends. And then she meets Krista at this cute little scene where they have the, Krista has this little caterpillar and, mm-hmm. and they befriend one another and Nadine accidentally kills it in her pencil box. Within two hours. Within two hours. not <laughs> After being record. named the caterpillar mother. <laughs> right. And so, she, you know, they flush it down the toilet, but that's when they become friends for life or whatever. But um, I like that this uh, little flashback allows us to see that she's been this way for a long time. So like exactly. this negative perception of herself she's had to live with for 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 many many years and so seeing this um play out over the course of an hour and 45 minutes is um you know pretty great because it's a change that is very gradual don't you think yeah i totally agree and it's it's really great that we get this like bit of a backstory so it's not just like hey, here's our character, you're just going to have to accept the way she is and you get nothing as to why. It's really nice that they at least give us something to understand her. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, She meets Erwin in class, and like I said, he's a bit awkward, uh, a a little bit odd. Um, He's a sweetheart. But he's a sweet guy, yeah. And I have a clip here. It's of the, the two of them in class. Nadine has tried to get out of turning in homework by using the my dad is dead excuse, to which <laughs> Mr. Bruner, uh, when he asks, well, how long has he you know, been dead? And she informs him that he died in 2011. He then informs her that there is a one-year limit on the, that excuse working, and uh, that doesn't help her out. So he leaves the room. Uh, I love him. Yeah, it's great. He leaves the room, and... Uh, that's when Erwin kind of makes his move. So, yeah, listen to the clip and we'll uh, talk about it. How was your weekend? Hmm. It was below average. Yeah. Okay. How was your weekend? Yeah, I golfed. Mm, like mini, like mini, mini golf. Like, I don't know why I did that. I'll pick that up. Um, but yeah. Tim's Fun Park. Yeah. I love that place. We should go sometime. Yeah, we should. Blue would like a 
like a group of people, like like with like several people. Just us. Like just 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 us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, a group. Yeah. yeah, a group. I think that'd be. I think that'd be, be so much more fun. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. Okay, so, what did you think of the scene when you watched it for the first time? It's so funny watching him talk because he, this actor, did a really good job of playing an awkward kid, like with the inability to get words completely out right away. Uh, I think that's a great job done by the actor. Um, but it was an adorable scene. Just the, uh, should we go to the carnival with a group? Should we go alone? No, definitely with a group. <laughs> like, it's so genuinely like something that would, a conversation that would happen between two teenagers. And I love that. It feels really real. And watching them interact, it's, I mean, we can, as an audience can see that they are really good together. And we're just like, okay, this guy's nice. Like, talk to him more. Be with him. He's a good person. And But, of course, to her, she doesn't have that, what she thinks is the, what she should have, that physical attraction to him. It's just right now, hey, this guy's funny and he amuses me kind of attitude that a teenager would have. Yeah, it, it's true. And she refers to him as, like, adorable. Like, he, she wants to carry him around. You know, like in a puppy like, dog thank you. Like, um, okay, that that's not the way he probably would like to be perceived by you, but okay. Um, yeah, but this relationship changes. You know, uh, it adapts and evolves. Along, right. You know, at first she, you know, they, oh, they go out on this this date, right? Uh, to the the what the uh, oh the carnival, and it doesn't end up going well initially because they get on the Ferris wheel and you know she's asking to describe him to describe his family he but then she totally says oh let me do it first let me guess and then she has like this totally racist view of what his parents are like which I think is hilarious and so true because this would happen like this would totally happen like not thinking you would just kind of launch into what you think her his parents are like only to realize like she did seconds later oh my god that sounded so totally racist i cannot believe <laughs> i just said that you know like that was great and oh, i'm like wow they went the racist route and then they finally acknowledged it i'm like okay at least they acknowledge that she's being completely racist right. it was so funny and he's so cute and awkward when he tries to kiss her and because he thinks that's a good moment and <laughs> she's just laughing and he's like you stop the fucking ferris wheel right he's like so mortified he just wants to get off <laughs> i know he just wants to like put a five feet of distance between them for like a good 10 minutes <laughs> right yeah it's great um so then eventually they, they do the the mini golf uh, mm-hmm. You know, like the the night doesn't end there, which I was glad to see. Like, obviously, that was not a great moment, but eventually it turned out good. You know, so they did go do the mini golf thing, like he alluded to when he first asked her out, because he's like, "Oh, I, I play golf, you know, mini golf." So they did that, <laughs> and that was great. Um. So then the the, race, the relationship progresses. You know, you know, eventually. You know, he or she starts. Well, he calls her, and then she calls him back. And when she goes over, and she's had a particularly rotten day, and when she goes over, uh, she finds out this kid is rich. I mean, like really rich. mega rich. <laughs> yeah. 
And I like that she says that, oh, if I had known this, I would have been your friend a lot faster. Right. I'm like, that's so horrible. Right, right. Um, but he takes it all in stride, you know. And this is the scene where things build, okay. Um, and I like what they did with his characters, character here because his parents are off in South Korea uh, on some... I think what business trip or something I don't remember precisely but they're away they've been away for like three months now yeah so this kid okay you get this kid he is rich his family's rich um, money obviously isn't an issue but guess what he's lonely too and yeah because he I doesn't like really here. have like a lot of friends no. he's not a partier kind of no. guy like most will have as a movie night but in general he just kind of hangs up by himself Right, think about that for a second. I love that about this movie. You have this character who has a giant house. Every other movie would have had him having parties every single night. Getting yep. drunk, just bringing everybody over and trashing that house till it is a smoking ruin. A smoking shell of what it was before <laughs> his parents left. But that isn't the case. He stays there. He you know, hangs out. He's by himself. He's probably lonely as you know, Nadine is. Yeah, exactly. Like, she's in a house full of, you know, her brother and her mother and his friends and constantly surrounded by people, and she still feels as lonely as he does in an entirely empty house. So I really like that di- that parale- ugh, parallel between them. <laughs> if I can speak today. Yeah, there is a parallel. <laughs> and <laughs> I love this scene where they're at the waterfall, and she's like... Oh my god, yes. She looks and she's like, do you want to have sex? And he's like, he's um, like um, yes, yeah, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm just kidding. And initially, I like how he played it off like he was so pissed. Yeah. Like, you don't say that. You don't do that. Like, don't say that to a guy. And then he gets out and then just plays music <laughs> that just says, you're a dick. <laughs> yep. Over and over again. <laughs> it was like the best scene ever. Oh. Like, he had a total right to be pissy, but then he like turns it around by playing that song like, He's the coolest guy ever. You have to date him now. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was really great. It was awesome. So I want to hold off to, to the end of the movie because I want to finish up there um, because I, I don't want to ruin that. Uh, I want to kind of lead up to it um, because mm-hmm. it's, it's such a great way to end it. Um, so, of course, the other part of this is the facilitating between Irwin and the other guy. So the other guy is... Um, a jerk. Well, okay, okay. You know what? No, no, no. He's a broody douchebag. He's a bit of a brooder. Um, she talks to him initially in the pet store, right? And so there's some events that lead up to a scene which, in the broad strokes, is kind of mortifying, but is done in a way which I actually think makes him a little sympathetic, and I'll get to that in a second. So she goes to work with her mother because she pulls that stunt about not wanting to get out of the car again you know totally five-year-old behavior yeah um goes to work gets into an argument with her mother because she's like oh I'm gonna, i know exactly what you're gonna say every single time and <laughs> like that she actually gets it she does get writes it. down congratulations but then her mom says what i think is something pretty unforgivable because you don't say this no. and even if you think you're right this is an awful thing to say and she says to Nadine, your father would be disappointed in, in what you've become. 
in what you're having. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's such so a cruel, awful thing to say. And she, I mean, I personally saw her like, okay, you're kind of in the right here um, to be this pissed. But she grabs the keys, she hightails it out of there, and um, she ends up <laughs> she ends up going to sit in like a little park area, right? <laughs> a little was, playground. Yeah, a playground. And she decides, because she's listened to all these emails her mom sent her, like, you better be home, you're ready this, your, your phone's going to be taken away. So she goes and she sits in this playground and she just writes the most mortifying text in the history of, I, I can't imagine there's many more that could be worse <laughs> than this. You know, but the text is, you know, something like, you know, oh, I really like you and I... I, I you're so you complex. Are, and, you know, I... I want you to fuck me in the stock room of the pet lab. <laughs> I want your I want your mouth on my tits and, and yeah. Just like, wow, I mean it just took like a one eighty real fast. <laughs> but what I love is that there's this moment where she's like, oh wait, I sound like a crazy person. Only a crazy person would say this or do this. And so she goes to hit the cancel button and ends up hitting the send button. <laughs> Yeah, this is why you have, like, an empty text to no recipient to get this out. And then you copy and paste if you actually want to send this kind of thing to somebody. That's rule number one of being a teenager. Because this shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously the text goes out. The guy responds, like, hey, cool, you know, and let's meet. And so she rushes home and gets ready, (sighs) hightails it out of there, meets up with the guy. He picks her up. And... I love the scene where they pull into like the parking lot and she's like, Oh, such a beautiful view. And then he pulls into the parking space and there's a dumpster. Yes. And it's his majestic waist. I'm like, Oh, sweetie. First, first red flag. Yeah. Not good. So then they get, they make out and, uh, they begin to, well, he begins to, you know, uh, get on top of her and, you know, he's basically, initiating the perceived the act. contract that they had agreed to um, based on the text. And uh, ultimately, she doesn't want to do it. And, uh, you know, this scene is actually kind of interesting because, like I said, in the broad strokes, it's mortifying and you're thinking, this guy is a real douche. However, however, to be fair, and I try to look at this from all sides, I kind of see... Now, you know, if she's forcing him, if he's forcing himself on her and she says no, yes, got to back off, get out of here, done, you know. But on the other hand, I also understand why he was kind of mad because at least like he said in the scene, like, hey, look, you're the one that texted me. You're the telling me you want to do this and you want to do this and you want to do this. I'm just here fulfilling exactly what you wanted to do. So, you know. Yeah, like she basically made it sound like she wanted a booty call. He doesn't know she's a virgin. He doesn't know that she watches him and that she has a crush on him. Yet to him, it's just another fling that means nothing. And that's exactly what the text sounded like. Precisely. So I like that the the scene played out the way it did. And there is a bit of sympathy in his direction here. I, I like it. It feels like they could have totally painted him is like the biggest jerk i mean a real awful person but he's not he just he was there under the pretenses that he was uh given and he was trying to fulfill what he thought she wanted to do um and it you know ultimately 
you know, she backed out. So yeah, I mean, his feelings are probably kind of hurt and whatever. And but she gets out of there, you know, feeling awful and crying and understanding. <laughs> After she tells him to crash and get paralyzed. Right. Right. Like, like you don't have that much of a reason to be pissed. <laughs> like you set this up, right. but yeah, it's teenage mentality. Right. Which is, I'm angry. I hope you die. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, yeah. If that's she's really lucky because that scene could have played out way differently. If he had had been a shitty person, that night would have been just the worst night of her life. Right. Right. Which I think she's she lucky would... that he's just. A, a dick, but you know, at least one that knows boundaries. Right, and and it didn't. But you're, I think she realized that too. I think a part of her realized, okay, thankfully things didn't go badly, but they could have, you know. Yes. Yeah, big time. And you don't know where she is. She's in like a weird park by a dumpster, and God knows where you are. Yeah. No one's gonna hear you. Uh, so we have her relationship. Let's talk about her relationship now with her brother. So as we said earlier, Darian is, you know, the the golden boy. Uh, he's presented as like someone who is you know, perfect, skates by in life, never has any problems. Uh, his life is just one golden day of perfection after another. But yeah, that is her point of view. And we ultimately find out that that's not the case. No, don't get me wrong. You know, he's uh, popular in school. Um, you know, I'm sure he's been with other girls. And, you know, yeah, I'm sure things have been pretty good for him. But he's also a three-dimensional person as presented in this movie. You know, like I like the scene where um, his mother, their mother, calls him and he goes home. He's like, why did you call me? Like, this is what you do. Like, every time you get in trouble, you call me. You yeah. Know, like, I'm basically dad now. You know? Exactly. That's exactly how she treats him. It's just, like, he has to take care of her and fix the messes that goes on. Yeah. And uh, with regards to Nadine, you know, I think he's always, he's always, like I said, trying to clean up her messes, too. And we see that in this yeah. movie, you know? And I like that scene uh, when we get to, well, there's a couple of scenes. First, the first scene is when she really lays into him. Like she tells that story about how, you know, when dad died that night, I saw you crying. That's so horrible. Pillow. She's comparing to her dad dying to uh, dating Krista, I guess. I think that's really- well, I think it was, no, I think she, he, I think if I remember correctly, I think the scene played more out like, I saw you crying and I wish you something like, I wish you cared about me or cared about anybody else as much as you obviously, you know, showed that night, you know? Yeah. Like you should care about me enough to not date my best friend kind of thing. Yeah. But comparing it to that night, I mean, that's just such a horrible, cruel thing to do. Right. Yeah. And, but, you know, we see, you know, he—he's not just—he's not just a dumb, a dumb jock. He also is a like a straight A student. So he's a good student on top of it, you know. Uh, yep. But the scene I really like is at the end, you know, when she goes to pick up uh, Darian or not Darian, when Darian goes to pick up Nadine, and she doesn't want to get in the car, so she goes back in Mr. Bruner's house, and he comes to the doorway. And he just kind of lays into her, you know. Thankfully, in a normal voice, very respectful because other people are in the house. But he says, you know, yeah, look, I mean, I love it. 
I'm popular. I mean, life is so easy. It is just perfect. You know, I really enjoy, you know, only being able to go to a college that is nearby in case something happens at home, in case I have to rush home in a moment's notice. You know, I like that I'm the only one my you know mom goes to if there's a problem. And in all these, like, just unleashing all of this pent-up stuff, you know, at her lake. Yep. And, I, and I like, you know, here's something I like that, you know, the one thing that makes me happy you know, the one thing that I want more in the world, the one thing that makes me truly happy, I can't have because if I have it, then, you know, I lose my sister. And it it's just a very great, I think, scene with him. And it was something that needed to be said. And I really enjoyed the fact. And then we get, um, she comes home and she knocks on his door and they have this conversation and she finally for the first time, maybe for the first time in their lives, and I really believe that based on what we've seen in this movie, the first time she's ever been truly honest with her brother in any way when she says, I don't like who I am. I'm so afraid that I'm going to be like this forever. And it's such a really great scene between those two, and they they hug maybe for the first time ever. Who knows? Yeah, because it's yeah, it's really heartbreaking to watch, but that hug definitely felt like that's the first time they ever hugged before. And the first time they actually had a brother-sister moment in their entire lives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's really It was very affecting, and I really enjoyed that. Um, so, all right, so let's talk about Nadine and Ma- uh, Max, who would be Mr. Bruner. So, played by Woody Harrelson. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> so, we talked about this opening scene between these two, which was hilarious. And there's another, there's like only a handful of scenes between them, but they're so well paced throughout the movie that it feels like he's in so much more, even though he's not really in that much overall. He's like maybe on screen 12 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes, maybe total. Yeah. You know? So he's not in much, but, but the scenes he's in are very effective. So we had the opening scene. Uh, there was the scene where. Uh, she tried to get off with the homework thing. That didn't work out. And I have a scene here. Um, it's when she goes in, right? Uh, it's when uh, her brother's already been dating Krista, and she kind of seeks refuge in the classroom. So she goes in to sit with Max and eat with him. He's just like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, why are you in I here? have no sanctuary. Right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, listen to this scene, and uh, we'll discuss it after. Hey, um, I gotta talk to you about some homework. I didn't need to talk to you about homework, I lied. You enjoying my company? You're a barrel of monkeys. You never told me if you have a wife. You should date my mother. Her last boyfriend turned out to be an internet perv. She's very, very fragile, very, um, oh, save me. Men like that, right, though? Because at the end of the day, they don't want to, I want to be a hero. Everyone just wants to feel important in life. Thing is, no matter how important they are, there's always going to be someone more important. People get so uptight about that. Oh no, they're better than me. It's like, God, they don't realize important doesn't matter. It's confidence. Most confident person in the room 
wins every single time. It doesn't matter if it's real. It doesn't matter if they're pulling it straight out of their ass. People are dumb. They don't know the difference. You know what? I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna tell you the real reason I'm having lunch with you today. You see, I don't, uh, I don't really have any uh, friends at the moment. And to be completely honest with you, I don't, I'm not interested at all. My entire generation is a bunch of mouth breathers. They literally have a seizure if you take their phone away for a second. They can't communicate without emojis and they actually think that the world wants to know that they are eating a taco. Exclamation point, smiley face, smiley face. Smiley. Like we give a fuck. I am an old soul. I like old music and old movies and old, even old people. Bottom line is I have nothing in common with the people out there and they have nothing in common with me. Nadine? Max? Maybe nobody likes you. Okay, so what did you think? I love the scene. Just like her like, toddler-like meltdown is hilarious. And so he just like, he's got a stone face that he just takes everything. And then after she's done having this tantrum, he just like, wow, I'm so happy somebody underestimated my salary for one. Right. She's <laughs> like, it's so... I love his responses because, yeah, they're just kind of negative and sarcastic, but they um, diffuse her, like, bring her back to reality, because she loves to blow things up out of proportion and make people feel like a little bit lesser than they should, and he has none of it, and just likes to pop that bubble. I really love that about their relationship and their dynamic. Yeah. No, I didn't get the like the little the second half of the scene whenever she kind of lays into him and everything, but the scene itself, the full scene, is just brilliant. And I think I, I like what you're saying there about the the negativity. Like he kind of is sarcastic and like brings her back to reality. But I think the way he reacts to her, she not just with Mr. Bruner, but with everybody, like she seeks out negative reactions from other people because it validates her own self-image. So if she kind of lays into people and she gets kind of like a scathing attack back, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm I'm just that awful. So, yeah, it, like it reinforces her own negative view of herself. And, exactly. And I think you're right. So with him, he doesn't – he kind of just is sarcastic – and kind of negative, but I think because she's not getting quite the reaction out of him that she wants or she gets from other people, it it does. It forces her to sit back and go, oh, okay, so you're not gonna you're not gonna give me what I need or what I want right now. Yeah, exactly. And she just has to take it, and it kind of just it brings her mind back down to a sane level that you know normal people exist on not the crazy negative one that she lives on that's so self-deprecating and feeding into her the way she sees herself 
yeah. I just love that that's the way he is with her. Like, it's very smart because he knows that that'll, if he gives the reaction that any other adult would, it's just going to feed into her going down that rabbit hole where it's just going to keep going and going. Yeah. Um, so we have, we have a scene where the scene where she comes in and she just completely melts down because of the text that she sent and he, like <laughs> he's the reading the text and at first he's like, Oh, this isn't so bad. And then he gets like a the, love note. He gets like the bad part. And he's just like, gives her this sidelong glance. Like, are you serious? <laughs> and she's just <laughs> like, like, please really? say something. Please say anything. He's like, you, you need to look out, look out for run on sentences. <laughs> I know I like I died when he said that I laughed so hard (laughs) she's having like this is like probably the stupidest mortifyingest thing she's ever done and you just like that teacher comes out and you like tan those run on sentences I I just like it I think he's trying to infuse a little comedy in the situation to kind of make her feel a little better and then you know she's he's like look take off fifth period go get ice cream or whatever. And he, she's like, can I have some money? So she gives her money. He's like, I want the change, exact change. <laughs> I love that. And, um, it's like, I'm not just handing you out money. I want change back. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, so then after the whole thing with the bad boy that happens, uh, he's the one she calls. You know, he picks her up and takes her back to his house turns out he is married he does have a family he has a little you know a little child and yep. so like she envisions him as like some lonely guy who goes home every night and just like sits there with his microwave meals eating baked manicotti from like you know some dollar ba- uh, lean, cuisine lean cuisine kind of thing yeah and in fact he has a lovely wife and a, a wonderful little boy and appears like it has a wonderful home and she sees yeah. that, um, you know, she's like, oh, boy, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. And uh, I think it's a little humbling for her. I think she's starting to realize that some of her, well, these are miscalculations on her part. She's making assumptions about people which are totally off base. And she's now seeing that they're <laughs> they are so wrong. And the reality is oftentimes the opposite, whether it be Irwin in her initial assessment of his family or Erwin himself and who he is. Um, and then we have her assumptions of what her brother's like when she, we know he's much deeper as a person. And, yeah, uh, yeah. obviously Mr. Bruner the same way. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's really great. And, you know, did you get a feeling like that he's like a surrogate father for her in this, in this movie? Right. Oh yeah. Definitely. Like, he really cares about her. Like I love when he says, "You're my favorite student." She's like, "Really?" Yeah. <laughs> like just that, that sweet moment where he just kind of you know throws her a bone, like knowing that she needs you know, some validation, <laughs> and just like, yeah, "Yeah, I don't hate your company," right. <laughs> and that's like as much affection as you're gonna get from me. Right, but I, I do I agree, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that there was a lot of restraint with that you know that it didn't turn into like some sappy melodrama where they embrace and they hug and maybe she cries or anything like they have a lot of restraint with that that relationship where we see even if she can't see it at least initially 
you know, I think he's been watching out for her to a certain extent for a very long time. And I think he's, she's probably been his favorite student for a long time, you know, but like now is like the moment where we get him to hear him actually admit that to her. And, uh, so I like that relationship, but I like the restraint. I like that, uh, we understand that he really cares, but they don't turn it into like some sappy moment between those two. You know. Yeah, he doesn't turn into her father. He's just this, you know, person that, you know, he's a friend and he's somebody who watches out for her and is just kind of a, uh, a sarcastic guardian that hangs around. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, the whole The whole relationship is wonderful. It's very subtle, very well done. Uh, that basically is, in essence, what I feel like this movie is. It's a lot of the stuff underneath the surface stuff that we see, there's a lot of subtle things going on in the script. Um, there are points that are made that aren't like big flashing points on the screen. Like, hey, we're going to hammer home this theme, okay? Like in big <laughs> like neon lights flashing across the screen. It, it, it's not hammered into you. you know. There's a lot of subtle work here, and I really like that uh, in the script and the acting. Yeah, they expect their audience to be smart enough to be able to appreciate it. Right. Um, okay, so we know her mother. She, they don't get along. There isn't a whole lot with this relationship, although there's a really nice moment at the very end where, you know, Nadine's taken the car. She had to take a cab home. Uh, she hasn't seen Nadine. She wakes up in the morning, texts her, and Nadine replies. And I'm, I'm so happy with this one moment where... Her mom is like writing all these texts out and then deleting them, like different levels of anger or or whatever, and she eventually has like this light bulb moment and she just writes okay, like she like Nadine says I'm I'm safe I'm okay, and she likes okay and I think that's really really great like again other movies would have had an entirely different scene play out they would have had her mom track her down and drag her out of the <laughs> auditorium embarrass her in front of her friends have a big shouting match you know or something like that and they didn't do that here i thought that was really well done yeah i really like it too because it's also a moment that everyone can kind of relate to because we've all done that you know we're mad at somebody so we're gonna or worried or just a fight in general so you know we type out all our responses and then eventually just kind of you know accept what's happening let it go and be the you know the same kind of person on the same level and just accept you know that you know this is okay <laughs> and just not feed into the argument or the drama anymore yeah uh, I like the fashion in this in this movie. Like, um, I feel like we're ta- like the, everything that they wear. It feels like it's like somewhere between I want to say twenty or ten and like twenty years too like old for them. You know. Like, yeah, it's got like a seventies and eighties vibe to it at times. Weird, and yeah, some nineties too. Like belly shirts. Yeah. With belly shirts haven't been popular. I I think at least since like they're starting to make a comeback, but they're more like boob cut off shirts uh, but, well, yeah. <laughs> but like, like the belly shirts like those were popular like early 2000s that kind of yep. thing like again we're talking like 15 years ago you know but I, I, it has a weird like, everyone's carrying smartphones but it feels very retro 
ish. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. The technology itself beyond the smartphones is kind of like off. Like Mr. Bruner's wheeling in like this old big t- giant TV from like <laughs> the AV club. Yep. And there's probably like a VHS player there. I mean, it, it feels like this movie takes place in like, I don't know, 1998, you know, but with smartphones. <laughs> doesn't surprise me too this school i know the school that they filmed in it's in surrey bc Mm -hmm. and it hasn't been like redecorated in a long time (laughs) it's still very 80s in itself i wouldn't doubt that that tv was from their department oh okay okay yeah (laughs) um okay so let's get to the end of the movie here uh we'll wrap up the uh review here with this this final scene so nadine has been asked by Erwin to go to this, this because he's doing working on a film like a some personal film for a competition, and he she has agreed to go. Um, so she she gets up the next morning after her disastrous uh, date or whatever with the bad boy quote date whatever you want to call it booty call that wasn't a booty call I don't know. So yeah. anyway, she gets up, goes in, slips into the auditorium. And Irwin comes out. <laughs> the guy's like, "Hey, say a few words," and he's just like, "Um, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy." Here you go. Here you go. And it's like, okay, awkward, uh, but yeah. totally in keeping with his character. Um, but then the, the animation, the the story is so hilarious. I thought it was very cute. Yeah, it's very cute, and yeah. The animations and stuff like I, it didn't click to me like the producer who it was and the fact that they have these ties to Futurama and The Simpsons and like oh you usually don't see like Futurama on TV shows and movies like that's kind of cool and then it's like oh the people who do it are involved of course they are right. <laughs> it was great it was like that little uh, short was really cute um, very funny his sense of humor is wonderful and his and his personality is incredible it's just that he can't portray it himself so it's just he has to via this little short and i love after this little short too where she's figured out that that's her mm-hmm. and he says to her like uh that wasn't about you <laughs> and she's like oh god have i become one of those people <laughs> oh you finally realized <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i like it but then he like totally gets her and he's like yeah it was you you know but he's like <laughs> he's like for, for the first time i'm actually over here you know <laughs> on this side like just totally getting uh, a joke on you for once so yeah yep. it's great and I like that she actually had flowers that was tied into the little film like right. that was a really nice touch it was unintentional but it ended up working out so well. yeah exactly so i think what was great too was really what ends the movie and it kind of hammers home uh what we've been talking about when it comes to her finding you know acceptance within her own skin and i think we began to see that after she confides in her brother about being fearful that she'll never change and i think the end of the movie is her tentatively you know maturing a little bit and i think that comes with I think that comes with realizing his feelings for her and ultimately I, I believe maybe finally admitting that she is attracted to him as well. You know, 
uh, both in exactly. both in, you know physically, but I think is especially personality wise, and the acceptance that we seem like it's been uh, um, indicated at the end of the movie, like she's gonna find some acceptance with his friends, because I love this moment. It's so great. I love it. So he like walks up to his group of friends they're all like hey great job you know wonderful they're like clapping him on the back and she's standing right behind him she's starting to turn away she doesn't know what to do she's kind of like you know feeling like left out and then he like reaches around grabs her drags her into the group and says oh hey this is nadine and then she's like Oh, yeah, yeah, like introduces him to introduces her into his group of friends. Right, because if we go back to the beginning of the movie, after uh, Darian and Krista uh, hook up and they officially become a couple, they go to that party, and that's when Krista a similar moment happens with her, where the girls like get around her and like start talking and they're introducing one another, and then they drag her off to play beer pong. So yeah. it's like this this different moments for both these girls where they're being included in different groups of people but also you know look maybe maybe Krista will find acceptance with that group of people and there's nothing wrong with that um as long and and, you know uh, Nadine will find acceptance here but also those two come back together again at the end of the movie you know there's this great moment fracture and then eventually, when Nadine gets up in the morning and she goes to leave, she's like, oh, Krista's like, oh, can I call you later? And Nadine's like, oh, yes, yeah. So you see, you see like, okay, they're getting back on track. And I think as long as two, those two can remain friends, it doesn't matter what groups they're in. That, Everything else in the world is all well. <laughs> yeah. So you feel like things are beginning to improve on all levels for her, for Nadine. She's finding friends that she that will accept her because she's a nerdy girl, you know, and she's found yep. that group that will appreciate the things she appreciates. She likes old music. She likes old movies. Perfect. You know, great. That's, you know, there's a group of people that will love you for loving that. And, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it's great that she finally gets to find some connection and acceptance with a group of friends and also in like finally found some self-esteem in herself and that she she cares about herself and is worth something precisely yeah look this is a really well acted well directed movie with a very sharp funny uh profane uh script there's no (laughs) doubt about that but it feels very true to life uh to me honestly because we're we're getting to our portion of uh the podcast where we're going to be grading at the movie uh, for me this ranks up the up there actually with some of the best coming of age movies that i've seen ever um i know that's high praise but <laughs> i think it's so well done it's so well acted and the quality is so high across the board i, I don't know how you could not rate it like that but that's just me personally so for me this ranks up there with you know the breakfast club uh it ranks up there with perks of being a wallflower um yeah i mean there's some really great all-time great you know coming of age movies splendor in the grass being another one of them um you know you can even uh i mean the, the granddaddy of them all um with uh oh boy 
Yeah, the granddad of them all. I can't even remember the name of it right now. Uh, so that and what is it called? All credibility away. Um, we're both out of cause with James Dean being the granddaddy of all coming of age movies. That's the one that kicked off the whole thing. Um, so yeah, look, there's a lot of great ones out there. This this one deserves high praise that it got, and it deserves to be up there. So, for me personally, this movie gets a solid A because it's just that good. Yeah, I, I think I agree with your grade. It's you know really high up there. Um, they're not scared to be honest and awkward and give a real look at a teenage life and also you know the mentality of somebody who's not you know as socially acceptable as you know most others are and somebody who has to deal with not just that but also having an actual tragedy in their life Uh, it's really unique but genuine look at that kind of world and i really really love that so i'm agreeing with you definitely an a okay excellent Okay, so that's it for this review of uh, such a wonderful, wonderful movie, The Edge of Seventeen. Like I said, Haley Haley Steinfeld, excellent, excellent, did such a good job here. Um, To me, this is, you know, even though a movie like this isn't going to get you an acting nomination uh, for an Oscar, you know, but uh, this is the kind of work, the the quality, the level of craft uh, that gets you an Oscar nomination and she already has one because she got one for true grit back in 2010 so we know the talents there (laughs) yeah she got that checked off her list already (laughs) um all right so how can people get a hold of us how can they send emails how can they disagree with everything that we just said in this review (laughs) so if you'd like to give some feedback or talk to us send us a voicemail email what have you you can do so by sending it to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com we're also on twitter at freakgeeksmedia we also have our individual twitter handles at labyrinthrows for myself and then at michael underscore lanik for michael of course (laughs) Uh, and we're also at on patreon uh, patreon.com forward slash freakinggeeks where we have other content and subscriber levels Uh, so you can check us out on there also we have our website uh, freakinggeeks.com so yeah okay any of those ways (laughs) definitely okay guys Uh, That's it for this review, so have a good one. We'll catch you in the next episode, and I believe next week we'll be doing Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Okay. So have a good night, guys. All right, later. Later.